Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaBusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network show and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard, it's just a love ride. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and as I like to remind you, I'm also the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks, and my company, Taylor Hard Money Advisors, is also in partnership with uh, two other people who produce very excellent newsletters. Roger Wiegand publishes Trader Tracks, and Chen Lin publishes What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? We do have special introductory offers. Uh, call my assistant, Claudio Bossi, in New York for that, uh, for more information on that. Claudio is at 718-457-1426 or go to miningstocks.com. And I'd like to direct you to jtaylormedia.com. That's J-A-Y-T-A-Y-L-O-R media.com where you can easily access this radio show through that website. Uh, and various, those three newsletters that I just mentioned as well as a lot of the other things that I'm doing. Uh, in the media from time to time. Well, I do want to thank each of you for listening to this show, making it the number one show on the Voice America business channel. And I also want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Uh, for the first hour of today's show, our sponsors are American Manganese, Atoche Resources, Lucky Strike Resources, Helio Resources, Metanor Resources, Merrick's Gold, Brazil Resources, American Bonanza, Paramount Gold and Silver, Millrock Resources, and Palangio Exploration. Well, this week, John Perkins joins us for a third time. He is the author of the best-selling book titled Confessions of an Economic Hitman. And also, he's written other books. Uh, we would like to also today focus on his uh, latest called Hoodwinked. Uh, John talks about the uh, causes for the failure of the global economic system, and he has a vision for a kinder, gentler form of capitalism. He wants to get rid of what he terms corporatism, which in my mind is really uh, what we used to call economic fascism. Uh, in any event, John Perkins, who is known as an economic hitman himself, always has some interesting insights into geopolitics and the forces behind wars and other activity engaged in by, by countries. So we will talk to him about that. 
and how he thinks our financial situation and economy as a whole can be improved. We also like to combine our more theoretical discussions each week uh, about economics and politics with practical investment solutions. So despite the poor performance of the gold mining shares this year, gold and silver as well, uh, I, I think these are companies that you should really keep your eye on. In fact, in this weakness might prevent uh, pre- uh, present a very uh, exciting opportunity because gold shares, because the fundamentals for the gold mining industry have become very, very good. In fact, I talk about it almost weekly in my newsletter about the surging profits of the major gold mining companies. And the real price of gold continues to rise. And so the cost of getting gold out is not keeping up with the price of gold. So profit margins are surging, profits are surging. And that is very, very bullish, for not only for the big guys, but I think for the especially for the smaller companies, the companies that are much better uh, at finding the gold and large deposits in the ground. And we do have a number of companies in my newsletter that are now emerging as new producers, some of which have an opportunity to grow very, very rapidly, in my view, and uh, and could become really huge winners for people that invest at current levels. Um, so we are going to be talking uh, to Chen Lin, who's actually with me now as well. Chen has some great ideas also uh, about investing. He has a stellar track record. He's done extremely well investing his family's money, uh, and he provides information from time to time, uh, ideas here for you on this show. Uh, before we get to Chen, I'm going to talk to Gregory Eisner. He's the president and CEO of Merrick's Gold, Inc., and that's a company that I must say is one of my favorite uh, junior gold mining companies. I own it personally. It is in my newsletter. Uh, it's a company with what I think has a chance to become a very large open pit gold deposit in Mali, West Africa. And in the second hour of today's show, after we finish talking to John Perkins, I will be talking to Douglas Oliver. He's a project manager for Meadow Bay Gold Corp., and that's a company with a very exciting gold property in eastern Nevada. But now, uh, let's turn to Chen. Uh, welcome, Chen. Thank you, Jay. Really good to hear from you. We haven't spoken in a couple of weeks. I've been traveling a lot, and uh, you. Uh, what are your thoughts about the gold markets? I mean, the gold shares have really not performed well. When is this going to change? Yeah, and then, and many of the gold stock I observe has been hammered. Not yeah. only they are not performing well, they got hit pretty hard recently. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, my take is, you know, this is uh, just uh, deleveraging. Uh, Central bank bought historical amount of gold in Q3. Mm-hmm. The pace will be continue mm-hmm. uh, because uh, there. I want to say there is a very interesting article today in the Dennis Gartman's letter. Gartman letter. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something actually I was saying for a pretty long time in my newsletter. In the letter, he compared the fact that the debt to GDP of United States, for example, versus Spain. Uh, United States debt to GDP is over 90%, where Spain only 60%. Mm. And United States deficit running at double digit, where all the EU, even the pig nation, they are trying to push it down to 3 4%. Oh. So, just in, in a sense, it's pretty obvious to anyone who can read, you know, who can see it. The data, all the data is on the Internet. So, uh, not, you know, they, he just coded those uh, very obvious data. You know, mm-hmm. you can see uh, United States not in any better shape than the pig nation. Mm-hmm. So well, of course, sense, the United States uh, does have the greatest military in the world, and we're going to be talking to John Perkins a little later. This may be a question for him. To what extent is the U.S. dollar tied to the military, to the uh, America's might? 
we are able to go into countries and in a way intimidate countries, I think. Uh, and you have to think that, you know, that's one thing that those other countries, uh, you know, the pig countries, uh, whether you're talking about Spain or Italy or, you know, even France and Germany, well, none of those countries really have a powerful military. So do you think that might have something to do with uh, with our ability to continue doing what we're doing? And might it might we be able to continue doing it, Chen, or do you think at some point in time uh, the expenditures that we're taking for the military might actually cause us to self-destruct? Oh, I'm not sure to self-destruct, but I think uh, people would think twice. I think U.S. government bond is as bad as uh, Italian bond or Spanish bond, mm-hmm. in my personal opinion. Okay, And then people right now, um, the uh, they will think twice about investing in the U.S. government, eventually people will realize. I mean, right now it's in a panic mode, but people, when, you know, when people think through, that will, and then the real value, the, the real currency is actually gold. So I think when we come out of it, I don't know which way we'll go out, uh, but it will be, probably will be massive money printing by the central bank, and the gold will go uh, very, very high from here. So well, we've we've certainly seen massive printing of gold by central banks, uh, especially the Federal Reserve. Uh, trillions of dollars have been pumped into the system. And one of the big problems they're having, though, Chen, is that they can't get the banks to lend. And uh, and this is what makes me, you know, not as convinced perhaps as you and a lot of other people that we are destined for hyperinflation. But you know, the jury is out on that yet. I I, I do I, whatever the state, whatever the situation is, and how this gets resolved. One thing is very clear is that the currency is being debased, isn't it? I mean, it's being yeah. cheapened, and they're really trying to uh, to cheapen the currency. So yeah, I think that's extremely bullish for gold. What about oil and and uh, you know some of the other commodities? Yeah, personally, I think you know oil will do well. Uh, the old, the hard asset will do well. Oil is something people need, right? Even in in a depression, people. Recession, people still need to drive, right? Drive to work. Mm-hmm. People need to heat their homes, right? And so th- those those things are some basic things people need. And uh, actually, OPEC just announced they're going to start cutting uh, cutting their production starting. Oh. So we'll see. I mean, I see all your range bound. Okay, from my point, I, actually, I hope all you come down a little bit as you're helping the people in, in need. Um, but we'll see. Uh, but you know, oil, I think, range bond, but gold, they probably can go much higher because it's really not economic related. It's a currency. Well, that that's certainly what's been happening, Chen. We have seen the real price of gold, as I just said, uh, rise dramatically, and I measure that against the Rogers Raw Materials Fund, which is about forty some percent in the energy sector. So the price of gold is rising. It's creating these profit opportunities. Yet the gold shares haven't performed. So. I'm just believing they're going to eventually, especially if the big guys start paying uh, paying out uh, dividends. I think it's going to drive money into that sector and perhaps away from the uh, from the ETFs. We only have about a minute left, but I know that one of your favorite stocks has been doing very well, and that is an oil stock. That's Mart Resources. Talk to us about Mart. Is there anything new happening there? I saw the the share price has been much firmer lately. Yeah, the, the management just announced they start trading the next while. Uh, they're already 4,000 feet. They plan to drill about 11,000 feet. And their uh, pipeline deal is near completion, as they stated in this uh, press release. And once they get the pipeline deal increased, they double their capacity. The uh, the stock is trading on less than one-time cash flow. So I'd rather own the energy stock 
like markdown versus cash because you know you don't know when you know that the hedge fund will hit U.S. dollar or U.S. government bond mm-hmm. one day. I mean, but this is the real stuff. You know, yeah. in real business, generate real cash flow. They also mentioned to possibility to uh, uh, to start paying dividend next year. Yeah, interesting enough. I I uh, I think there's some talk, some speculation that the company could be paying. You know, upwards to a dime in dividends uh, per share, and the shares are where are they trading these days, Chen? Yeah, about sixty cents. So yeah, the people they 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 you know, they can pay ten cents, they pay twenty cents, whatever they like, because they're going to generate sixty cents or more in cash flow. So yeah, I mean, ten cents would be a sixteen percent dividend. I know, and speaking to the president when he was in New York not long ago, he did mention that they could actually pay out twenty cents if they wanted to, but. Uh, in any event, it is an exciting opportunity. There are opportunities. Chen, I want to thank you very much for pointing that Mart out to, to me, to my subscribers, and to the people on this radio show. And, of course, I'm sure your subscribers, well, they're going to be a lot happier with it in time, I believe, because the stock has not performed that well since you recommended it. Well, maybe it did early on, but uh, in any event, we are out of time. Thanks again, Chen, for joining us. Uh, folks, don't go away. We're going to be right back with Gregory Eisner of Merrick's Gold. Don't go away. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Merrick's Gold, with over 800 square kilometers of contiguous permits in West Mali, Africa. Merrick's and exploration partner IM Gold have spent $17 million on the advanced stage Surabaya Gold project in Mali. 40,000 meters of diamond and reverse circulation drilling currently underway to expand Merrick's indicated resource and to determine the true size of the Surabaya Gold deposit. Exploration also continues on the huge gold anomaly at Zone Bambadinka, as well as the major gold system on the Babara and Kofia permits. American Manganese Incorporated controls the largest deposit of manganese in the southwest United States, and their 43101 preliminary economic evaluation includes the potential to be the lowest cost producer of electrolytic manganese in the world. A National Instrument 43101 report of 14.9 billion pounds of indicated and 3.5 billion pounds inferred. Go to www.americanmanganeseinc.com. American Bonanza Gold's Copperstone Project, located in Arizona, is on track for a fourth quarter 2011 mine and startup process with the goal of achieving full production by the end of the year 2011. American Bonanza is fully funded and permitted with no debit or hedge. The company has a clear strategy to create a highly profitable, mid-tier gold-producing company beginning in fourth quarter 2011. Join the current gold bull market. Be a part of a new gold producer in 2011. American Bonanza Gold Corp. Visit the website at American bonanza.com for more exciting information don't miss this great opportunity capitalizing on north america's gold assets marathon gold corp moz on the tsx is building value through resource development in newfoundland and idaho q1 2012 is expected to be a rewarding time for marathon with an update resource estimate expected on its economic leprechaun gold deposit in newfoundland and an initial resource estimate is expected at the same time on its golden chest project in idaho a historical producer don't miss this opportunity to capitalize on today's gold price for more info visit www.marathon-gold.com 
Attention gold stock investors, Brazil Resources, Inc., trading as BRIZF on the OTCQX and as BRI on the TSX Venture, is exploring three gold projects in the Garupi Gold Belt in Brazil. Surrounded by expanding gold mines and deposits, BRI features top Brazilian geologists, earlier involved in discovering 10 million ounces of gold directly in Brazil, led by recognized mining and financing executive Amir Adnani, co-founder and chairman. Look us up now at www.brazilresources.com. That's Brazil Resources. Or call us at 1-855-630-1001. That's 1-855-630-1001. Lucky Strike Resources Limited conducts due diligence drilling on the claim with a historical resource of 1.5 billion tons of coal in Mongolia. The project is directly north of China, where the coal consumption tripled in the last 10 years to 3.2 billion tons in 2010. Lucky Strike's management team has a proven track record, having contributed significantly in the building of a multi-billion dollar company operating in China. Please visit our website at www.luckystrikeresources.com and get in on this investment opportunity at the ground floor. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. human race some kind of love and ride I'll be sliding down I'll be gliding down try not to try too hard it's just a lovely ride you're listening to turning hard times into good times with your host Jay Taylor if you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questions4taylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again Gregory Eisner. He is the president and CEO of Merrick's Gold, Inc. It's a company that trades in Toronto under the symbol MXI, and you can buy it in the United States under the symbol, uh, on the over-the-counter under the symbol MXGIF. There is approximately 119 million shares outstanding, and the stock has been pretty weak, which is sort of the way things have been going for this uh, junior sector here uh, lately. I think it's really moving with the general market, even though, as I pointed out, the gold sector, uh, the gold mining companies, the big guys are doing extremely well because the fundamentals have been so good. So in time, I believe that's going to really move down market and, and help little companies like Merrick's Gold, especially those that are six, successful. Uh, so I think this is a, a company now at 35 cents with a market cap about $42 million that really warrants some attention. And as I said in the introduction in the first segment of today's show, it is one of my favorites. Uh, it is one that I own personally. It's a stock that is in my newsletter. Uh, so I want to welcome Gregory again to uh, Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Hello, Jay. I'm uh, pleased to be here, and uh, thanks very much. Really good to have you here again, uh, Gregory. Uh, for those that may not have heard you the last time around, uh, your main project is in Mali. It's called the Sarabaya. Uh, you do have a small, relatively small, 43-101 gold resource on there, but you clearly have a chance, in my view, to outline something much bigger than that. What can you tell us about the existing 377,000 ounces of gold relative to the potential, let's say, uh, your drill targets? Jay, our existing resources in what we call our Cerebias structure 
it's made up of two substructures. But basically, our existing resource is uh, included in one kilometer of the 10-kilometer structure. We have uh, drilled that 10-kilometer structure for 8 kilometers with RC drilling and have uh, identified a footprint of 8 kilometers long. And, uh, you know, it, it, it points out that we have potential for uh, um, generating resources along that total 8 kilometers. So if you multiply 8 kilometers by the existing resource, you know, it, it could get fairly substantial. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got 377,000 ounces. As I recall, you've got those two structures and most of those 377,000 ounces have come from one of the two structures. Is that right? And from a very small portion of that structure. That's correct. The existing resource comes from the Zone 1B structure, substructure, and over one kilometer. As I say, we our total structure is 10 kilometer of a very, very large land position that has extensive structures on it. And really on our website, you can see all of this data. But... We've just, uh, and we're, we have uh, three drills drilling at present, uh, a diamond drill, an auger drill, and an RC, and a, and a RC drill. But we've just released um, uh, RC results, Jay, and, uh, you know, numbers like 8 meters of 19 grams and mm. 12 meters of 4 grams um, on the southern end of our, of our structure. Um, that that show tells us that we have continuity. It shows us that we have potential along this total structure to generate uh, grades like that. Mm-hmm. In fact, we've seen grades like that and similar uh, in diamond drilling and, and RC drilling uh, along the total length of the structure. But mm-hmm. in addition, we think we may be seeing, we may be getting an idea of what we may have sweet spots along the structure, maybe cross faults, and uh, we're going to be looking at, at those uh, structures in future. Um, the uh, with the large uh, footprint that we've identified now with uh, RC drilling, um, we uh, now have sort of laid the groundwork and, and be able to sort of target diamond drilling now to outline resources. Right. Well, certainly. Um your grades too, we might mention, I believe, are something like two and a quarter or thereabouts, two and a quarter grams per ton, which in this day and age with gold prices and the real price of gold where it is, uh, is potentially very economic, is it not? Yes, our, our grade at uh, half a gram cutoff on the existing resource is 2.37 grams per ton. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I might add that that resource now will be in, increased in, in the, in, in the, with our uh, fill-in drilling. We've could just completed fill-in diamond drilling. But uh, quite right, uh, certainly any grade over uh, a gram in uh, open pit saprolite in that environment certainly makes money. So we're pleased with the, the high grade, and, uh, you know, we think that's going to go a long ways to helping us, you know, make this, uh, make this thing uh, very economic. You know, lots of work to be done, lots of drilling to be done to be able to say with confidence what, you know, whether you will be a producer, uh, you know, whether the the project will be a producer one day. But uh, but it may not take that long to start getting a picture of that as the jigsaw puzzle gets gets put in place. You have with uh, with those kind of grades and and those kind of higher grades that you're talking about the potential to even have a higher average grade, although. We won't know that until it's extensively drilled out. You have a very good, very sound partner there, Gregory, uh, in I Am Gold. I Am Gold, I believe, is now pretty much completing their requirements to spend, I think it was $10.5 million, was it not, to earn in a 50% interest. Where are they at? at? Are, are they pretty much finished in their obligation there to, to earn 50% of the project? 
we feel that they, they've earned that. We haven't received the final numbers, but certainly from the expenditures we've seen to date, uh, they have uh, earned in. They're now a, it's now a 50-50 a joint venture between IM Gold and Merrick's Gold. Um, you know, it's a, we're pleased that, you know, we retained our, our 50% of this. IM Gold is the operator, and I might say, Jay, fabulous uh, partner to have. Uh, they're active in in West Africa. They operate the Sediola mine to the north of us. So we have a built-in partner to take this into production, um, you know, various options in the future, and, uh, you know, it can only it can only get better. You know, people that may not be that familiar with this industry and this sector would know, uh, or should know, I should say, that a company like IM Gold, which will produce close to a million ounces this year, is not going to fool around with something small, uh, are they? I mean, what do you figure, um, maybe this is an unfair question, but it's a question I have in my mind, so I have to ask it, what would you expect IM Gold might require in terms of, to make this interesting? Five million ounces? Four million ounces? How much? I believe if uh, we see uh, uh, three million ounces at uh, Sarabaya, it would attract the attention of somebody like I am Gold uh, mm-hmm. as a partner. Um, certainly, I am um, Gold are a great company, and we work well with them. Um, however, uh, there are other uh, companies that have approached us um, who wouldn't want to have fifty percent of a of a of an operating gold mine with a grade over two grams. So um, uh, they have earned their. Uh, uh, they're 50%, and uh, it'll be a 50-50 JV ongoing. Well, I'll tell you is one thing. As a shareholder of your company, I would really hate to see somebody get the shares away at 35 cents. I mean, I, I wouldn't be happy about that. I, I would hope that uh, how soon do you expect to, to have some results? Uh, or uh, let's say, how soon do you expect to have an updated 43-101 resource? We, um, we expect to have that certainly uh, before uh, mid-year 2012, uh, Hopefully sooner. Um, it'll depend on on the diamond drilling. Obviously, we it were and we will be uh, continuing our diamond drilling program. We'll cut it off at a point when when we we think that we have uh, you know uh, enough resources to give us uh, you know in excess of a million ounces. So um, it's uh, it, it it'll be a call that we'll make in in future. And do you expect uh, to announce a new program, a new drill program, sometime soon? Now that uh, I am is pretty well. Uh, probably pretty well gone through their requirement to earn 50%? We will be expecting a, um, a, a 2012 uh, program announcement in the very near future. Um, these discussions have taken place, and uh, certainly it requires board approval on, on, with both companies, but it'll, it'll be substantial, and uh, we're, we're pleased with that. We're also pleased that IM Gold is upgrading significantly the uh, the, the housing and uh, conditions and uh, the camp on site. Uh, Gregory, let me ask you this, uh, because I know this will be of interest to our, our next guest, John Perkins, uh, who is very interested in the way uh, you know third-world countries and people are treated. Uh, what about I Am Gold? How is it as a, as a corporate um, citizen in that part of the world? Uh, they're excellent. Um, they certainly pay attention to 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 those uh, aspects. And uh, when we moved into the Sarabaya area as Merricks in 2005, we uh, certainly paid attention to the uh, the local villages and uh, repaired water pumps and repaired roofs of schools and whatnot. And uh, 
build a reputation. I am Gold is following along on that, and they've been in Africa certainly longer than uh, than the Marys has, and um, they're they're a great citizen that way. They they've uh, drilled water wells for villages, and uh, uh, that that aspect of it is just stellar. Yeah, I know that there's a, it's, a, it's an important aspect, uh, no doubt about it. You want to you want to uh, be good citizens when you're working in in other people's backyards. You want to be good citizens when you're operating in your own backyard, but for sure. Um, you know, when you go to a place like Mali, you want to treat the people with respect and kindness, and give them, uh, allow them to participate in the in the wealth that their nation uh, provides. Uh, what about funding? Are you in pretty good shape now? Or are you going to have to raise some more capital anytime soon? Uh, we're in good shape. We have over twelve million in the treasury right now, and uh, that'll more than be enough to handle our fifty fifty uh, percent. Commitment for 2012, so we're in good shape. We won't be financing uh, uh, this year, uh, in all probability. Do you uh, anything else you'd like to tell our listeners before we conclude our discussion today? Just that uh, the uh, Sarabaya project is a big project, big land position, over 800 square kilometers. The Sarabaya structure is just one structure on the property. There are similar structures with similar mag and geochem, so it it could be huge. And your agreement with IAM covers that entire Sarabaya project? Yes, it does. It covers the entire land package. Okay. Well, it's a very interesting story, as I say, one of my favorites. Uh, John, thank you so much for coming on uh, and sharing your story with our listeners again. Folks, don't go away. I'll be right back with John Perkins, who is best known for his for his best-selling book called Confessions of an Economic Hitman. But John has written other books, and one of those we want to talk to him about today is a book called Hoodwinked. Don't go away. We'll be right back with John Perkins. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Attention gold stock investors, Brazil Resources, Inc., trading as BRIZF on the OTCQX and as BRI on the TSX Venture, is exploring three gold projects in the Garupi Gold Belt in Brazil. Surrounded by expanding gold mines and deposits, BRI features top Brazilian geologists, earlier involved in discovering 10 million ounces of gold directly in Brazil, led by recognized mining and financing executive Amir Adnani, co-founder and chairman. Look us up now at www.brazilresources.com. That's Brazil Resources. Or call us at 1-855-630-1001. That's 1-855-630-1001. Merrick's Gold, with over 800 square kilometers of contiguous permits in West Mali, Africa. Merrick's and exploration partner IM Gold have spent $17 million on the advanced stage Surabaya Gold Project in Mali. 40,000 meters of diamond and reverse circulation drilling currently underway to expand Merrick's indicated resource and to determine the true size of the Surabaya Gold Deposit. Exploration also continues on the huge gold anomaly at Zone Bambadinka, as well as the major gold system on the Babara and Kofia permits. American Manganese Incorporated controls the largest deposit of manganese in the southwest United States, and their 43101 preliminary economic evaluation includes the potential to be the lowest cost producer of electrolytic manganese in the world. A National Instrument 43101 report of 14.9 billion pounds of indicated and 3.5 billion pounds inferred. Go to www.americanmanganeseinc.com. 
Meadow Bay Gold is a gold exploration, pre-production, and development company focused on developing its flagship project, the Atlanta Gold Mine in Nevada. Meadow Bay Gold has recently announced a significant gold porphyry discovery at the Atlanta Mine and is currently conducting a significant drill program. Meadow Bay Gold trades under the symbol MAYGF on the OTCQX or MAY on the TSX Venture Exchange. To learn more about Meadow Bay Gold, go to www.meadowbaygold.com. Gold in Nevada, the right stuff in the right place. American Bonanza Gold's Copperstone Project, located in Arizona, is on track for a fourth quarter 2011 mine and startup process with the goal of achieving full production by the end of the year 2011. American Bonanza is fully funded and permitted with no debit or hedge. The company has a clear strategy to create a highly profitable, mid-tier gold-producing company beginning in fourth quarter 2011. Join the current gold bull market. Be a part of a new gold producer in 2011. American Bonanza Gold Corp. Visit the website at American bonanza.com for more exciting information don't miss this great opportunity rye patch gold corp is an exploration company seeking to build a sizable inventory of gold and silver resource assets in mining friendly nevada the world's fourth richest gold region this well-funded company now has 1.2 million ounces of gold and gold equivalent in the measured and indicated category plus 2.7 million ounces of gold and gold equivalent in the inferred category with ongoing drilling to achieve a goal of 10 million ounces of gold for more info on rpm please visit our website at w www.rypatchgold.com Voice America Business Network The bottom line in business Welcome to the human race Some kind of love and ride I'll be sliding down I'll be gliding down Try not to try to you're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and it's really a pleasure for me to have with us uh, for the third time, John Perkins. He's the author of uh, a great book, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. It's, it's a book I think everybody should read if they want to have an understanding of uh, sort of what the powers behind the throne are up to and why our government does what it does so often. Uh, sometimes it doesn't make a lot of sense. Why is it that presidential candidates will promise one thing and really, I think, in many, t- in many cases, really mean to carry through on it, but once they're in office, uh, something quite different takes place. Um, anyway, John uh, Perkins, welcome again to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Oh, it's great to be with you again, Jay. Thanks for having me on your program. Oh, it's re- a pleasure to follow uh, your work. Uh, I don't have as much time to do as much of it as I like. I know you have uh, rallies and things around the country. You are definitely interested in in doing what's right and what's good for people um and people of you know of, of all nations uh you've traveled around the world you were involved in uh, um in some activities i guess that um maybe if you had it over to do over again you never would would have gotten involved with but you did uh did those things and now taking that experience um trying to help people understand what's really going on 
Uh, I've really enjoyed your your work. Um, and Confessions of an Economic Hitman is is a book that I often mention, very frequently mentioned in my speeches when I talk to investors and investment groups, and I talk about what's going on in the global economy. I think you do your insights and your your experience really does go a long way in helping us understand you know what is going on and why things are the way they are. There's another book that I also mention a lot of times uh, to my listener to my uh, to my audiences and also my listeners this show and that's uh, called The Creature from Jekyll Island. I've had the author of that book Edward Griffin on here as well. And Griffin talks about the formation of the Federal Reserve, who it was behind the Federal who it was that wanted the Federal Reserve formed and for what purposes and it goes back to about 1910 or so at Jekyll Island and there was a secret meeting down there of some of the wealthiest people, in fact, about a sixth of the world's wealth represented in that little island, trying to figure out how America could come up with a central bank and, and get rid of the Jeffersonian populist ideas and go to the Hamiltonian um, central bank idea uh, of, uh, of, of Alexander Hamilton. So they were able to get this uh, Federal Reserve put into place uh, and, you know, it's, it's my view, and I don't know that you focus so much on the Fed. I think you're sort of on corporations in general and what they're up to. Uh, but you have any, any sense of the Federal Reserve? Do you think there may be some issues with the Fed that need to be straightened out? For example, Ron Paul has really called for uh, an audit the Fed. Do you think that's something that should be done? Absolutely. We should audit the Fed, but we should probably get rid of the Fed, too. You know, I think it's a very corrupt system where you've got – a system of currency that's based on on debt and uh-huh. based based on one organization that is privately owned uh building up this huge amount of debt and basically debt is a very enslaving mm-hmm. mechanism uh, people mm-hmm. in debt are always enslaved it's mm-hmm. an old system you know you go back to feudal europe um, during the middle ages and the, the, the system where you had a lord top of the castle a pyramid kind of thing and then you had a bunch of knights that worked for the Lord, and then everybody else lived outside the castle walls, what we call the bourgeoisie. They were told that they didn't own the land, that the Lord owned the land, mm-hmm. and that they were in debt to the Lord. So in order to grow crops on the land, they'd have to give about 80% of those crops to the, to the, to the Lord of the castle. Mm-hmm. If they didn't, they were threatened that the knights from the neighboring castle would come over and burn their homes, pillage them, rape their women. And so they were kept in this constant fear and it was really this, me- this debt mechanism that, that kept them there. And, you know, Jay, we're very much in, in a similar situation today where we're all in debt uh, oh. one, one way or another. And that keeps us subservient. We're also all told that we have to keep serving these lords who today are the, 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 the heads of the big corporations, including mm. the Fed. The Fed's part of that system. Mm. And if we don't serve these these corporate heads, if we don't continue they make sure that these big corporations make lots of profits. Uh, our lives will be threatened by somebody with a walkie-talkie in the Himalayas, or God knows who the next uh, enemy is going to be. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it really is interesting to hear you talk about that feudal system, which seems to be, you know, sort of coming back to us now. And we've had another uh, guest on this show named Robert Prechter, who you may or may not know, very well known for his uh, Elliott Wave and his. It's sort of his uh, view of history and looking at the at, at how history repeats. And Robert is looking at the the uh, global condition, the, the indebtedness of the global system right now, and and has actually talked about 
a return to uh, to a dark age of sorts, and, and it's, it's, it's it's I mean it's just frightening. I hope that he's wrong about that. I hope that your your notion of how we can make things better prevails, because I mean who could hope anything else? But but you do see the problems that have cropped up, and and the indebtedness is well, this is true. I mean, and this is as you say throughout history, this has been true. And you were involved as an economic hitman, as a person who uh, was to try to help to get the uh, these uh, third world countries indebted right that was my job really jay yes uh, you know what, what what we economic hitmen did and continue to do is to identify countries with resources our corporations covet uh, or your uh, your previous guest was dealing in gold and that's that's certainly one of those resources oil there's so many different ones but to identify countries with resources that our corporations covet arrange a huge loan to that country from the world bank and its sister organizations and yet the money would never go to the country. I mean, yeah. go, to, go to our own corporations to build infrastructure projects in the right. country that would help a few wealthy people, uh, and, and, but not serve the majority of the people because uh, they were not able to reap the benefits from uh, these projects. They, they couldn't afford the electricity that came out of the big hydroelectric projects and, and so on. But they'd be left holding a huge debt, and they would be told from then on after that they couldn't afford a better education system, better health care system, et cetera, because all their, their resources were going to pay off these debts that they never could pay off. And so at some point, we go back in and say, since you can't pay your debts, sell your resource real cheap to our oil companies or our gold companies or whoever, and... Um, Without any social or environmental regulations, mm-hmm. things like this, and, and it was it was really all about debt. And now we're seeing this, and you come back and haunt us here in the United States, putting people in debt, convincing people back several years ago that they could afford five hundred thousand dollar house when really they should have only been buying a three hundred thousand dollar house. Mm-hmm. And the banks knowing full well that this was a huge mistake, but putting mm-hmm. people deep into debt that they couldn't pay off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they knew. They understood that. But the times were so good, and they were taking big bonuses home to build their own mansions out on Long Island and or wherever it was. And uh, and yet, uh, in order to get these third world countries sucked in, there was always some goodies, weren't there, offered to the to the leaders of these company, countries. And I guess for the most part, a lot of the the third world dictators or would would basically succumb to the temptation and and sort of buy into the. Uh, to the empire, uh, the Anglo-American empire? Well, really, they, uh, I think they saw, it too, that they didn't have much choice. So, you know, this is metaphoric, but I would walk into their office, essentially, a president of a country, and say, hey, you know, I can offer you a couple of hundred million dollars for you and your family if you, if you play this game with us. You'll, you'll get incredibly lucrative contracts. Your brother owns the John Deere franchise. Your, your, your sister owns the Coca-Cola franchise, whatever. Mm-hmm. You're going to make a lot of money off these contracts when we're building these big projects. On the other hand, if you don't go along with it, um, well, remember what happened to Allende of Chile, who was mm-hmm. overthrown. Remember what happened to... Uh, Mossadegh of Iran and and uh, Roldos of Ecuador and Torrijos, both of them assassinated. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, these leaders that were looking at either playing the game with us or being taken out of office by coups or assassination. And mm-hmm. uh, that's not a hell of a good choice, you know, no. when you come right down to it. And they knew we were serious because it, 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 they'd seen it happen so many other places. Right. So, so we often blame problems in Africa and Latin America and other places on corrupt leaders. But what we forget is somebody's corrupting those leaders, and it's usually us. Mm. 
Yeah, is uh, you can't in a way can't blame the guys almost the, the dictators for for going along with the program in in a sense. But you you knew some courageous people who didn't go along. Well, I mentioned two of them: Torrijos of Panama and Roldos of Ecuador, both of whom would not sell their people down the down the tubes, and they both were assassinated. They they wouldn't go along with my efforts to get them to buy into this game to be corrupted, and they they both were assassinated by. CIA-sponsored operatives. Yeah. And, and, Jay, I think it's fair to mention at this point that the United States has something very similar going on now. Um, uh, Obama uh, is very cogniz- cognizant of, of the fact that he's extremely vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, today in the United States, we don't have to take a man out with assassination, or a woman for that matter. We can do it with, with rumor and innuendo. Yes. We recently saw the head of the IMF brought down because a chambermaid in a hotel accused him of sexual improprieties. And I don't know the truth behind that. That may have been completely accurate. I don't know. But what I do know is that it only took one person making an accusation that was that has never, in fact, been proven one way or the other, as far as I know, to destroy a man's career. And that has to have a very strong impact on an Obama or anyone, anyone in a high position because the fact of the matter is uh, we can take people down now by rumor and innuendo very, very quickly. Character assassination is, is, a, is a very important political tool these days. Yeah, and in that case you're referring to, of course, there wasn't enough evidence to, to take him to trial. So one, no, but one he wonders lost, what... He still lost his job, his career was ruined, and he was going to run for president of, of uh, France, and I don't think he's going to do that anymore. So it's, you know, it's very effective. Yeah, and you know, I haven't, I didn't follow his policies enough to know, but I think there are some good people in some of these institutions that would like to do the right thing for countries. I do, you know, I think um, you, you you have also probably people in the CIA and other organizations that are really trying to do what's right, and they have, but a lot of times their their policies aren't listened to, are they? They're just ignored if they don't fit the uh, the interest of the ruling of the ruling elite. Well, no, you you know, you learn to go along. I I was someone who really wanted to do the right thing, and mm-hmm. and I was convinced that what I was doing for a while was the right thing because mm-hmm. it's what's taught in business schools. Invest a lot of money into infrastructure in a developing mm-hmm. country, and sure. it increases the uh, growth domestic product, which mm-hmm. it does. You can show that statistically. Mm-hmm. But, but what isn't shown is that only a few people, a few families at the top of the economic totem pole really benefit and they're really the economy in many of these countries so mm-hmm. the majority of the people you know they 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 do their trading in uh, in barter systems and at small local markets that never make the internet the national statistics so mm-hmm. when you see gnp increasing in a country like bolivia or ecuador or in indonesia often that just means that the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer and and actually we're seeing that in the united states today too Absolutely. where we, you know, the famous 1% versus the 99%. Yeah, absolutely. So the total pie may be getting bigger, but 99% of that total pie is going to 1%, you know, 1% of the population, whatever it is. It's, it's, not, it's not egalitarian. We've seen, as you say, uh, a huge move away from a much more egalitarian economy in the 1960s and, and through the 1970s, early 70s anyway. Would you say that's true? Yes. Uh, oh, absolutely. You know, I think... Uh, after World War II, we, we were really kind of headed in a very good direction. There was the anomaly of the Vietnam War in there. But, you know, even during the Vietnam War, President Johnson was promoting the Great Society. He was mm-hmm. saying we can have guns and butter. We were moving forward with Medicare and Social Security and better school systems and uh, a lot of that sort of stuff. And under Kennedy, we had the Peace Corps and, and, mm-hmm. and many amazing programs 
But that all changed uh, in the 70s and in 1980 when Reagan became president and Thatcher became head of the government of England and many other people around the world. And they embraced the Milton Friedman form of economics that came Mm -hmm. out of the Chicago School of Economics, which is a very, very sad, very terrible uh, form of capitalism, what I call predatory capitalism, that, Mm -hmm. that, that, that overtly states that the only goal of business should be to maximize profits regardless mm-hmm. of the social and environmental costs. And right. That's a new that's a new one. That's not what I grew up with in business school. That's not what John Maynard Keynes Kane, taught, and it's not what I grew up with in the 60s in business school. It, it changed everything, and it's created a, a, a failed system. We, today, that's the only way you can describe the global economic system. Yeah. It's, it's a failure. Yeah, so in other words, people, in other words, profits are ahead of everything else, and, and you don't care to what you might do to the environment or what you might do to the population. You just have to have to uh, maximize profits, and it doesn't matter what laws you break or, or what politicians you buy off, I suppose, to, to get what you need as well. Huh? Well, you don't actually have to break the laws because you, you own the politicians <laughs> and you get them to write the laws that help yeah. you. You know, I think during most of my life, uh, elected officials wrote the laws of this land, but today they don't. It's the corporate lobbyists that write the laws, and they pass them through the elected officials because, in essence, they own the elected officials. We all know nobody gets elected to any major position in the United States or any of the other so-called democracies uh, without the financial support of the big multinational corporations. Well, I want to get into uh, more details in your book, but before we do, how do we change that? You know, I mean, it's the system is what it is, and I guess maybe, I guess maybe the movement, uh, the Tea Party, and the Occupy Wall Street uh, is a first salvo against that. And I think the Occupy Wall Street is really is really for real. What are your thoughts? Absolutely for real. I, I think uh, we're it's we're seeing it around the world. I, I just recently came back from Istanbul. I'm headed for the Middle East again soon, and I've been in China recently. I did Latin America. I travel around a lot, and I think what we're seeing all around the world is a, a waking up of the people. We're beginning to really understand that uh, that our global economy has been stolen by robber barons. Mm-hmm. And for many years, we've held these robber barons up as icons. You know, we've said, well, heck, if they can make that kind of money and run these corporations, they, they must be working very hard, and they deserve to be paid high prices. Well, I think we're, we're waking up to the fact that they don't work very hard. They, they just, they're, they're robbers. They're like those, those lords of the mansion in the feudal times who said, we own the land. Mm-hmm. Well, who gave them the right to own the land, you know? Who, and, and they get placed on these pedestals and mm-hmm. until a Robin Hood comes along and made Marion. And mm-hmm. I think that's what the Occupy movement is about, and we're seeing it globally. The, the Robin Hoods and Maid Marians are waking up, and this is an, an amazing time. It's, you know, what happened in the Middle Ages after that was uh, uh, people uh, banded against the Lords, and they got them to sign the Magna Carta, and that mm-hmm. put us down a new route. Yeah, it took a long time. It took a long time, and I think yeah. things move a lot faster these days, you know. Yeah. It took a long time to go from uh, the bows and arrows and swords uh, to missiles, but once once we started going into missiles, it very quickly evolved into incredibly powerful missiles. Everything changed. Everything's speeding up. So it's not going to take a long time this time. We're seeing it happening very quickly. On the other hand, we know who has the drones, and we know now that the United States will actually take out its own citizens without a trial. Right. Uh, right. This is a scary. Uh, this is also a frightening thing, isn't it? That the uh, the establishment has enormous, you know, has, has tremendous technology and firepower, don't they? They do, but I think we also have to recognize that this empire is not built on the military for the most part. It's built, 
It's a corporate empire. Mm-hmm. Governments have lost their power. The United States government essentially works for the big corporations. The CIA and the, the military essentially goes, goes into places where the corporations want them to go. Uh, the power no longer rests with governments. It rests with the big multinationals. And ultimately, we need to understand that they're dependent on us uh, to survive. In a way, I think you can say that the marketplace is a democracy if we choose to make it that. Mm-hmm. So every time we buy something or decide not to, we're casting a vote. And I actually think it's a more important vote than the one we cast every two years or every four years in the voting booths, because we're doing this constantly. And without us voting for these corporations, they won't, they won't exist. And they, and they know that. So we really need to put the pressure on them that way. And I think Occupy Wall Street is beginning to truly understand that process. Well, they are certainly voting with their feet. Uh, Occupy Wall Street is, uh, you know, I mean, I, I guess everybody's different, but, uh, you know, people who are willing to camp out in a park, and I was down there in, uh, in New York and saw Occupy Wall Street, uh, you know, it's, it's not the most comfortable place to sleep, even in the summertime, even when the weather was nice. And, you know, interestingly enough, John, I was, uh, I was in Hong Kong um, a few weeks back, and there was an Occupy Wall Street there. I was uh-huh. saw a small group in, I think it was either Geneva or Zurich where I was recently, and there was a small uh, Occupy group there as well. So this really is a global uh, effort, isn't it? It certainly is. And look what's happening in Egypt now. Again, the, you know, it looks like the, the military may be brought down, and Egypt is saying that they, uh, the Egyptians are saying that they want to follow a similar standard to what the Turkish people did, who really brought down their military. Now Turkey is a very prospering place, and the people there are quite enlightened. As I said, I was just there, and I'm going back in a, another couple of months. Um, so we're seeing movements around the world. We're seeing, you know, in Italy and in Greece and Spain, and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's quite a, it's extremely exciting. It's it's a fascinating time. Uh, we've got about four minutes before our first commercial break here, but I want to ask you what, in general, what are your thoughts about what's been taking place in uh, in the Middle East, in Africa? So many regime changes. Uh, are these all spontaneous uh, democratic uprisings, or is there something more underneath the surface maybe that might be more sinister? Well, I, I worked in the Middle East a lot in the 70s. I, I worked in Egypt, and I, I worked in Saudi Arabia and Kuwait and Iran and, and many of these countries that are going through this now. I, it always, I always used to wonder, why, why are the people there putting up with what they're putting up with? And I think they, they understood. They finally came to an awareness, as we are here, that they were being ripped off big time, hoodwinked, and, mm-hmm. and, and they're getting it. So I think these, are, these are genuinely were, have been popular uprisings. However... Once that gets started, very quickly, the, uh, all the uh, intelligence community of places like the United States and England and, and other countries immediately go in. And so there's a lot of jockeying going on mm-hmm. in these countries to try to um, uh, Mubarak's out and Gaddafi's out, but who can we put in there that will yeah. follow policies that are kind to our corporations? Uh, Mm-hmm. Don't, don't let the Muslim Brotherhood take over. So th- th- now there's behind the scenes all kinds of jockeying going on, and I actually understand that that's probably happening in some of the Occupy movements too. That there's probably quite a few uh, uh, undercover agents that are fomenting uh, problems within some of these Occupy movements. We can certainly expect to see that happening. Yeah, I would I would guess so. Well, I know it was Hillary Clinton, I think, and I don't know if she was. Re- I can't remember if it was Libya or which country she was talking about. Uh, she said, we want a democracy, but we want our kind of democracy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, I, I imagine mean? by that she means our corporate interests and so forth. Yes. Um, 
John, I want to ask you, we've got a minute or two before the break, but I want to ask you um, Iceland. You start out talking about Iceland. Uh, tell our listeners what happened to that quiet little country that wrecked it, its financial system. And, and really, I guess it was sort of the, the kickoff to a, a bigger global problem, wasn't it, back in, in 2007, 2008? Yeah, micro, it's a microcosm, really. Iceland was one of the wealthiest countries per capita in the world. Uh, and it, it, because of that, the economic hitmen went in and they said, hey, you know, you've got such amazing potential. All of you people should take on more debt. The country should take on more debt using your, your, your potential as your collateral. And what we do with oil that's still under the ground in other countries. And they did. They took on tremendous amounts of debt, and then everything crashed. And suddenly Iceland is, finds itself essentially bankrupt. And, and the rest of the world is, is telling them, especially the, the European world, the IMF, the World Bank, uh, that they've got to refinance, that they've got to sell their public sector things like uh, utilities, water and sewer, electricity, etc., off to private corporations. And they strongly objected. And actually, the people voted on a referendum and with a huge majority uh, voted not to move, move forward with these things. Mm-hmm. We've actually we've seen something similar in Ecuador. That this, there is a movement around the world that says that the countries that have taken on this debt has really been shoved on them by leaders who have been corrupted by economic hitmen and now the new leaders are saying you know we don't really need to pay this debt our people never agreed to this mm-hmm. yeah and I, I uh, and, and so Iceland I understand you know they did they didn't agree to the bailout right so I, as I understand it things are going pretty well over there now well yes and I, I was there a, a, a couple of years ago when this was just getting started I was traveling around speaking at every event I possibly could, telling them, don't pay the debt, refuse to pay the debt. And, you know, it, you, it, you don't owe this debt. You're going to get on without ever getting your permission, and they get rich off of it. And now they're telling you to pay all of this off. They've left the country, the people who took on the debt. And we've seen this, Jay, I've seen this in so many countries, time after time. And with all of these countries, I say, you know, don't pay it, and even better, band together. If all the countries... And, and throughout the world who've taken on this debt that they don't really owe, uh, would band together and say, hey, you know, we're not paying. Mm-hmm. Um, the World Bank and the IMF would end up going bankrupt, and that would probably be a good thing, or at least they'd have to change their ways and really do what their mission statement says they're supposed to do, which is get rid of poverty around the world. They mm-hmm. haven't done that at all. No. That's what they're supposed to be doing, and they're not, they're not following their own mandate. Well, it's the spoils of World War II, I suppose, the IMF, the World Bank, uh, even the United Nations, perhaps to a certain extent, the control of it, at least. Uh, the IMF certainly is an Anglo-American controlled institution. I believe they have the votes yet, and there's, a, of course, a lot of interesting things going on now uh, with the West, with the Eastern countries gaining wealth and wanting more representation in these institutions. Very interesting times. I want to pick up on this uh, this theme of um, with Iceland and what's going on in Europe and elsewhere right now, John. As soon as we come back, if you can stay with me, I would really appreciate it. it was- Love to. Great. Okay. Folks, don't go away. We'll be right back with John Perkins after the break. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network 
Merrick's Gold, with over 800 square kilometers of contiguous permits in West Mali, Africa. Merrick's and exploration partner IM Gold have spent $17 million on the advanced stage Surabaya Gold project in Mali. 40,000 meters of diamond and reverse circulation drilling currently underway to expand Merrick's indicated resource and to determine the true size of the Surabaya Gold deposit. Exploration also continues on the huge gold anomaly at Zone Bambadinka, as well as the major gold system on the Babara and Kofia permits. Africa is known for its world-class gold deposits. Both Namibia and Tanzania are mining-friendly countries, and Helio has been exploring for gold here for the last six years. Backed by an experienced board and committed institutional shareholders, Helio is drilling its SMP Gold Project in Tanzania to demonstrate the potential for a multi-million ounce resource. Helio is also in the process of outlining the resource potential at its DGP project in Namibia, which is situated next to Anglo Gold Ashanti's Navatsjab Gold Mine. For updates, check out helioresource.com. Ladies and gentlemen, the reality is that exploration for mineral deposits is risky business, though the rewards for shareholders can be enormous. At Millrock Resources, we don't believe in risking your investment on a treasure hunt. We believe in leveraging shareholder capital to generate projects and partnering with mining giants such as Kinross, Ballet, Inmet, and Tech to fund our exploration in the mining-friendly states of Alaska and Arizona. By utilizing this business model, Millrock Resources increases the potential of finding economic gold and copper deposits and maximizing shareholder wealth. For more information, please visit us at www.millrockresources.com or find us on the TSX Venture under MRO. Attention gold stock investors, Brazil Resources Inc., trading as BRIZF on the OTCQX and as BRI on the TSX Venture, is exploring three gold projects in the Garupi Gold Belt in Brazil. Surrounded by expanding gold mines and deposits, BRI features top Brazilian geologists, earlier involved in discovering 10 million ounces of gold directly in Brazil, led by recognized mining and financing executive Amir Adnani, co-founder and chairman. Look us up now at www.brazilresources.com. That's Brazil Resources. Or call us at 1-855-630-1001. That's 1-855-630-1001. American Manganese Incorporated controls the largest deposit of manganese in the southwest United States, and their 43101 preliminary economic evaluation includes the potential to be the lowest cost producer of electrolytic manganese in the world. A National Instrument 43101 report of 14.9 billion pounds of indicated and 3.5 billion pounds inferred. Go to www.americanmanganeseinc.com. Lucky Strike Resources Limited conducts due diligence drilling on the claim with a historical resource of 1.5 billion tons of coal in Mongolia. The project is directly north of China, where the coal consumption tripled in the last 10 years to 3.2 billion tons in 2010. Lucky Strike's management team has a proven track record, having contributed significantly in the building of a multi-billion dollar company operating in China. Please visit our website at www.luckystrikeresources.com Come and get in on this investment opportunity at the ground floor. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network.